Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining us. You're listening to a very special episode of Half Street High Heat, brought to you and presented by Manscaped. We're doing an emergency podcast episode. I'm joined by Nick as always, you can find him on Twitter at Nationals Ace. And we're joined by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. You guys can follow him on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. And we are here to react to what was a pretty interesting day, to say the least. And the trade deadline is coming out later today, but things were nuts yesterday. So we are breaking it down for all of you all. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Can't yeah. complain. As, as we were talking about before we started recording, I just didn't think we would ever get here. I didn't think we were going to need an emergency uh, podcast just based on past history with Mike Rizzo and the Nats at the deadline. But here we are. Especially moves of this proportion. I mean, it's just right. We, we knew Scherzer was on his way out, but especially both of them packaged together, him and Trey going to the Dodgers. I mean, that's that's just crazy scenario. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's crazy it's just it's really crazy i was expecting max to move i was not expecting trey like i kept checking my phone i was getting all the twitter from the notifications and i got the one from pass and i was like breaking dodgers are close to a deal that's going to finalize and i was like why is he saying it like this if it's only max and then i saw and i was like and who's and and then all i saw was like superstar shortstop and i immediately texted nick which was like oh my god <laughs> they actually did it because I was worried that Rizzo wasn't going to tear it down enough. There was reports that like the Nats were going to look for teams to take on more money in trades, but holy crap, they freaking tore it down. And let's start with the big one. Trey Turner and Max Scherzer go to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are eating about $18 million in money in that trade. Um, the Nats got the Dodgers top two prospects. That's going to be the Nats top two prospects as well. They got Ruiz, who is the best catching prospect in baseball. He's number 16 overall. I'm blanking on the pitcher's name, but he's number 45 in baseball. There it is. Thank you, sir. He's number 45 in baseball. And they also got two mid tier prospects in that. One of them is absolutely raking in double a, um, what was your initial reaction to that trade? And how are you feeling now a day after that you had time to sleep on it? I can jump in. Um, you know, for me, it, it, all week I was kind of saying, like, it, it looked like there was about a 50-50 chance that Trey was going to be traded. You know, if Trey was ever going to be traded, now is the time to do it. His value has never been higher. You know, a year and a half out from free agency, he's playing the best baseball he's ever played in his career. You know, made the all-star team, probably the second best shortstop in all of baseball right now behind only Tatis. Uh, and you know, the Nationals wanted to extend him, but it, the closer we were getting to free agency, it just seemed like the more and more likely that that was not going to happen. So, uh, you know, the fact that they did trade him didn't surprise me, but it just seemed like we were trending away from it. You know, in the days leading up, uh, you know, it came out that he was well, really looking to stay on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, that might have dissuaded some NL West teams from looking at him because, you know, they might not be able to extend him. 
Uh, it also it came out that he didn't want to switch away from shortstop, which seems like now that's going to happen anyway. Uh, you know, so it seemed like, you know, we were trending away to the point where I thought it, uh, it might not happen. And then he tested positive for COVID. So that, you know, threw a wrench into things as well. But ultimately, the Nats were able to do it. Uh, you know, it was a it was a move that's it's tough to swallow. You know, it's just just purely off a of name value. I get it. I get the frustration from fans. You know, Scherzer and Turner are two guys that literally led this team to a World Series title in 2019. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't replace that in any way. And there's no way to you know, look at this major league roster and, and, and say, you know, oh, this is worth, you know, going out to, to watch anymore. You know, I get it. You know, if, if you're, you know, mad about the rest of the season, you say, oh, there's no point in going, you know, the rest of the year. I get that, you know, because they're thrown in the towel. They're not going to try and contend this year. But, uh, you know, this is a team that basically contended for an entire decade. And that's really hard to do. And you have to use your farm system, whether that means you're pulling up guys to contribute at the major league level or trading them uh, to pad your team at the deadline. Like they did in trades for Sean Doolittle and Mark Melanson and Kurt Suzuki, you know, plenty of guys over the years that they've added uh, at the trade deadline, Howie Kendrick, another one, uh, you know, so this is, they're at a point now where all that talent is gone in the, in the farm system and they need to replenish it somehow. And I know your listeners are very well informed in this regard because you guys pound the table about this stuff, but uh, you know, I do think that the package they got, a lot of people are, are slamming it for being quote unquote underwhelming. I, I think this is a fantastic trade package that they got for the, for these two guys, uh, you know, in Ruiz uh, and in Josiah Gray leading the way, you know, two major league ready prospects. It's hard to get any better than that. And yes, then the Dodgers aren't hurting from this trade because they have Will Smith at the major league level and they really don't need, you know, young pitchers right now, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what this means for the Dodgers. It matters what it means to the nationals. And suddenly they have a, are in a position where catcher is a position of strength for them now. Uh, you know, Trace Barrera was hitting well, sure, but they just added uh, Riley Green or, or Riley Adams. I forget his name, the, the Brad Hand deal. Uh, and now, of course, Kybert Ruiz added in as well. Catcher is suddenly has a ton of depth. And yes, you don't need all of those catchers necessarily, but you can trade one of them. So I just kind of were vomited for you guys. But, you know, overall, I, I feel like you've got to be happy about this trade. Uh, for the long term, it's going to be so take some time to get over the losses. But I think in the long run, this is really going to pay off the Nationals. I agree. And uh, one thing to point out, people are talking about the return. The Nats got the Dodgers top two prospects, which is a very good farm system. And the Dodgers ate about $18 million. The fact that the Nats cleared $18 million and still got the top two prospects is a very, very good return. Now, if the Nats didn't do that 18 million, maybe someone else like Gavin Lux would have been in it. But clearing that money is really important for the Nats. It's clear that in every single trade, they're trying to get this money off the books. Um, the Athletic had a piece, which was really interesting to read. It was basically the Dodgers the entire time. The Nats wanted Ruiz from the Dodgers, and then the Dodgers boxed. So the Nats went to the Padres, which is why Rosenthal tweeted out that that was close. When that went out, the Dodgers came back and said, we'll give you Ruiz if you throw in Trey Turner. And so that is basically where it went. And the Nats felt like they won because they cleared the money. They got the prospect that they loved in Ruiz. And the Dodgers feel like they won because now they don't have to potentially face Max Scherzer in the wildcard game if they can't catch the Giants to win the division. But the annoying thing is the Dodgers have traded for Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, and they still have a great farm system and great young talent. It's just like, it's absolutely absurd. But one of the other trades that I'm really high on was 
Daniel Hudson going to the Padres. They got their number nine prospect and then someone else. What is your takeaway from the Daniel Hudson trade? Is that the Padres trying to react to Max Scherzer or you think that was going to happen regardless if Max went to the Dodgers? Yeah, you know, I think the, the Padres needed bullpen help regardless. Every contender needs bullpen help, you know, at, at the deadline. I think that's just kind of par for the course at this point. You, you go after, uh, you know, that reliever. But, you know, they have Mark Melanson and Craig Stam at the back end. Drew Pomeranz has been on and off the injured list all year. Emilio Pagan is solid, but, you know, he's not necessarily great in his FIP. Uh, it kind of indicates that he's due for some regression down the line. So, you know, they go in and, and they pad it with, you know, one of the best relievers in all of baseball this year uh, in Daniel Hudson. You know, his stuff's been electric this year. I mean, his velocity has only gone up the last two seasons and his slider has been absolutely devastating against uh, opposing lefties. I'm uh, sorry, righties. Uh, you know, overall, it, you know, I think it was a move that the Padres had to make. You could call it reactionary because it happened right after the, the trade, but I think this is something they were going to try and do anyway. And if they did go after Scherzer, you know, really hard, I wouldn't have been surprised if we had seen Hudson kind of packaged into that deal as well. So, uh, you know, the Padres, you kind of look at them as a success for them because they don't have to part with any top talent, um, you know, like the Dodgers did. And they certainly have a lot more of it than the Dodgers at this point, um, especially moving forward. Now, the Dodgers top of their farm system after losing Ruiz and Gray. They don't really have a lot of triple A names anymore. Now you're, you're kind of have to look at the farm system double A down where, OK, you know, they're in a, they have a bit of a gap now between their major league level and in the lower levels of the minor leagues in terms of talent. So uh, that's something that the Padres might be able to take advantage of in future years. You know, the Dodgers had the most desperation, I think, at this deadline. You know, their team is older. Uh, you know, Corey Seager is going to be a free agent after this year. Clayton Kershaw is going to be a free agent after this year. And while either of those guys could have come back, uh, you know, they have a lot of their stars are on the older side. Justin Turner, you know, is really getting up there. They're, Kenley Jansen, you don't know how long he's going to be able to contribute for. So overall, you know, the, the Dodgers now is the time to contend where the Padres have such a young core. You know, you, you can see next year, the year after the year after that as being very viable years for them to win World Series, whereas the Dodgers are definitely in a win now situation. So, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a reactionary move, but it was definitely one that the Padres needed to make. And I think the Nats did well getting Mason Thompson back. He's a guy that they've eyed before, uh, you know, a former Tommy John guy kind of fits that bill really tall throws really hard, uh, you know, kind of a pretty much a reliever at this point. He's, he's not going to be, you know, in the, the rotation anytime soon, but uh, you know, somebody who has a lot of control can be a potential back end weapon for them. You know, they saw that in Tanner Rainey. He hasn't necessarily worked out so far. Maybe Thompson can be the guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the trade. That was my second favorite one. Um, obviously the return for Max and Trey was my favorite, but Brad Hand also moved. He moved pretty early in the day, and no one really talked about it. The return was decent. He was the number nine prospect in the system. When he came here, he's now going to drop down a little bit with all these other trades. The big thing here is that the Blue Jays are eating the rest of his money, including the deferrals. Do you think the Nats sold short on Brad Hand because of the deferrals, or do you like this return as well? I mean... <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. He's a rental. You know, at the end of the day, he was a guy who's going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, and, and those guys just really don't command that much prospect return. The only reason Scherzer, you know, Kybert Ruiz was in the conversation for Scherzer is because the starting pitching market is just so barren right now. You know, at the, at the trade deadline, it was basically him and Jose Barrios of the Twins. And that was it. You know, the next top guys available are like Kyle Gibson and, and Tyler Anderson. 
you know, two guys who are solid major league arms, you know, four ERA guys who might give you a quality start every now and then, but you know, Scherzer can change your entire rotation. You could start game one of the playoffs for you. The Dodgers might be in a position where they're going to be in the wild card game. Who would you rather have at that rotation right now pitching for you in the wild card game? I'd argue it's Scherzer over Bueller or Kershaw right now. So, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to get, you know, such a big return for him is only because of the lack of talent elsewhere. For Hand, you know, we were literally looking at a situation where he was coming off of back-to-back blown saves with, you know, walk-offs allowed. Not to say that two two individual uh, performances are really going to take away from his entire body of work, but, you know, his velocity has been declining in recent years. You know, he's considered to not be uh, the same type of closer that he used to be. He really has to be more finite with his location now, uh, and that comes with some risks. So, yeah, it, it might not be the most overwhelming return that they're getting for hand, but this is a guy they, they signed basically off the scrap heap. You know, he, he the uh, Indians just decided not to pay him last year. Uh, and they let him walk and then asked, we're like, you know what, we'll give you $500,000 more to come to us. And he said, sure. You know, why not? A one-year deal that there's no risk there. So, uh, you know, same thing with, with Hudson, you know, these are, these guys are, are rentals. We're going to see it probably for Jan Gomes and, and Josh Harrison as well. You know, over the next couple of hours, I wouldn't expect crazy returns for these guys because they have, you know, such little control, but anything you can get for them at this point is, is something you got to be happy with. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I Reading up on his scouting report, he has plus power, but he's mainly known for his defense and game calling. There's a future for that in MLB. It's a backup catcher, but there's still a future for that. Um, so I think that was a pretty good deal. And then I think another trade that Nats fans were pretty sad about was Kyle Schwarber going to the uh, Boston Red Sox, another player who fans love going to a contender. Um Nats fans are going to have to watch him in October again. Most of these guys are going to have to watch in October. Um, I like the return. They got a young pitcher. He just turned 20. He has plus stuff. He is raw. The Nats don't have the best history with developing pitchers, but what is your take on sending Kyle Schwarber to Boston, who I believe is going to be playing first base for the Red Sox now, and the return they got for him? Yeah, I, I really do like Aldo Ramirez, and I'm hearing lots of good things about him. He's down in double-A right now, or single-A, sorry, uh, for the Red Sox, and he has a 2.03 ERA and eight starts for him. Uh, some good stuff. He, he's a right-hander, only 20 years old, uh, guy out of Mexico, international signing. You know, he, he's more of a high upside guy. You know, you look at uh, what where the Nationals were in terms of retooling, right? They we're looking at a lot of guys who are about MLB ready. You see Josiah Gray and you see Kyber Ruiz. Uh, you see the, the um, Brad hand return. All these guys are, are players who uh, should be in the major leagues this year, if not next year. Uh, Aldo Ramirez is a guy who probably has a higher ceiling, you know, somebody who, you know, could be a potential ace down the line. I'm not saying he's a super highly regarded prospect, but he's so far away from the, ma- the, the major leagues. Uh, that you are able to kind of project him farther along and say, okay, you know, he's a project, you know, he's somebody we can work on over the years. The Nationals have a lot of younger guys who they're, you know, hoping that, you know, can hit on. Schwarber is is a guy who's on the injured list right now. You know, you can't really expect to get a great return for a rental who's not even healthy at the moment. Uh, And so rather than try to go for somebody who might be, you know, a fringe fourth outfield or, or you know, a backup catcher or something like that, uh, you you look for a lottery ticket. And that's exactly what Aldo Ramirez is. So, uh, it's it's more of a long-term play for the Nationals and a, a, amid a flurry of moves that are a bit more with a shorter view in mind. Um, so, you know, padding that end of the farm system certainly helps too. 
Absolutely agree. And so those were all the trades that went down yesterday, which was like rather intense and shocking day for Nats fans. A lot of people were upset, rightfully so. I think the shock factor got them, but it, we're not done yet. It looks like Josh Harrison is staying. Um, Jesse Doherty reported that he has some fans in the front office. And also if they trade him, I don't think they really have anyone else who can play. Um, one of the names that we are seeing is Jan Gomes. Are you hearing anything on where Jan Gomes could potentially go? I feel like he would have a good market because catching kind of stinks all around Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, there have definitely been a couple of teams calling in uh, about Jan Gomes. Bob Nightingale reported that the Blue Jays and Athletics were among them. Uh, I would expect his market to be pretty wide-ranging considering you know he's considered such a great game caller, and that's not an undervalued asset. Uh, among major league GMs that maybe fans don't really pay attention to as much. You know, Gomes obviously was the catcher for the nationals in the world series. He's also been a catcher of Max Scherzer uh, for the greater part of the last few seasons, which should not be understated. You know, Scherzer, uh, you know, says he can work with any catcher, but you know, he's a guy who needs his catcher to be on the same page. We've seen him in years past, be really frustrated with some catchers, uh, particularly on the younger side who, you know, just weren't calling the right game game plan. You know, they weren't on the same page. Uh, you know, Gomes is a guy that he's worked with really well, uh, and he did in his, his exit interview, you could call it, uh, after the game yesterday, uh, his final start with the Nationals. He said a lot of good things about Gomes, and I'm sure that goes a long way uh, in, in just kind of padding his resume there. So I fully expect Gomes to go, especially since, you know, they traded for, you know, these catchers. They're going to need at least to keep one of them in the major leagues. They had to option Trace Barrera down to the minor leagues yesterday when they acted activated uh, Jan Gomes from the IL now. Uh, he was called back up as the 27th man for the doubleheader. So he's still in D.C., I believe, at the moment. But uh, if Gomes gets traded, I imagine he'll stick around. Uh, so we'll just have to see. But I do think Gomes is going to be moved. Harrison, it kind of makes sense they want to keep on to him. You know, he's a guy that they actually signed during the World Series last year. Uh, you know, they really wanted to bring him back uh, after he was acquired uh, midway through the season in 2020. Uh, they really liked his clubhouse presence, his versatility, uh, and he's been pretty good with the bat too, as we know. You know, yesterday I think what he had like, three doubles and a home run in the doubleheader. Uh, you know, so he's been a, a pretty solid bat for them all year. Somebody who has just been able to fill in throughout all of their injuries, whether it be Schwarber, whether it be Turner, whether it be Starlin Castro. You know, leaving the team, he's just filled in in all these spots. So uh, he's so valuable to them, especially now that their roster has been kind of stripped down. Yeah, apparently the Giants are the most recent team to check in on Jan Gomes. So I think you're right. His market will be wide ranging. Um, and just kind of circle back. Uh, you put out a great thread last night, just with your kind of overall thoughts, obviously, especially after the, the, the Dodgers deal and Max and Trey being shipped out. Um, and I kind of want to shift this conversation to that. Like, where do the Nats go from here? Because obviously the, the fans that are, you know, upset and they have a right to be Max and Trey are obviously two beloved players but they want to know when we're contending again and obviously that's not like a clear-cut answer but how aggressive do you think the Nats will be obviously it's early but how aggressive do you think the Nats will be in free agent and what do you think their um, you know desired timeline is to, to contend again are we talking 2022 or is this more of a 2023 conversation yeah you know I think that 2022 is going to be a year where they see what they have uh, in all of these young guys that they're acquiring today, yesterday, uh, you know, all these prospects, they're going to be, for the most part, like I said, they're major league ready. These are guys that are going to be in the majors playing for the Nationals in D.C. Fans are going to be able to go to the stadium and watch them. The Nationals are going to have to watch them, too. They're going to want to see how they respond 
playing at the major league level. Uh, and so I don't expect them to acquire players that will block them. You know, they're, they might add like a veteran catcher to kind of add to the mix or something like that, you know, another arm in the rotation, uh, you know, to give them some depth, uh, you know, they might not feel like they need to like rush Cade Cavalli to the majors right away. You know, maybe he joins the team mid season, but uh, you know, guys like Kyber Ruiz, Cade Cavalli, Josiah Gray, uh, Trace Barrera, you know, these are guys that are going to get opportunities next year, but does that mean that the nationals are not going to try and contend? I don't think so. I think they are going to try and contend. I think you're actually going to see them do exactly what they did this past off season. And that's sign a bunch of guys to one-year deals, you know, guys with high upsides like Brad Hand. Uh, you know, guys who Kyle Schwarber, guys who really could make a difference if things go, you know, go the right way. Now, is that going to necessarily be, you know, have them look like a World Series contender? Probably not, but they are going to look like a team that, you know, is going to at least try to win. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, it does no harm, no foul. You've got these guys uh, that you can flip at the deadline and then, you know, move ahead to 2023. I think that 2023 is really the year where they're going to hope to kind of vault themselves back up to the top of the division, back up into World Series contender status. You know, they're going to have uh, some a lot of free agents hitting, uh, you know, free agency the next couple of years that they'll be able to sign. You know, like you said, they freed up a lot of money with the Scherzer contract. That's certainly got to help. You know, the Nationals, they, they didn't get that huge influx of money after winning the World Series that a lot of teams get. You know, you, you get all of these increased ticket sales and uh, the merchandise and everything like that. You know, COVID just took all of that away from the nationals and you know with the whole mass in money situation uh that they've had and, and being under the the um restrictions of the strasburgs and scherzer contracts and corbin contracts you know they haven't had the financial flexibility that they probably would have hoped they had to, to after winning the world series two years ago so uh i would expect them to try and contend next year they're going to be active in free agency and i think it's really important to say that they should be considered contenders uh, for these top infielders that are going to be hitting free agency this offseason. That means Carlos Correa. That means Trevor Story. That means Tre uh, Javier Baez. Uh, I'm forgetting the other catcher. Corey um, Seager. Corey Seager, who actually is my favorite. Uh, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo. These guys are all going to be free agents next this offseason, uh, and not all of them are going to be making $300 million. That's what Trey Turner is expected to make when he's a free agent after next year, You know, around $300 million. You know, one or two of the three of these guys are not going to be making that much money. That could be something where the Nationals can see themselves jumping into. You know, they already were negotiating with Turner for at least 200 million plus. You know, they had that money set aside to do that. Why not repurpose it? You know, and that's exactly what we saw uh, them do after they, you know, were unable to sign um, Bryce Harper back in 2018. You know, they were look offered him a 300 plus million dollar contract. Uh, he walked away from it. And what do they do? They go out and acquire Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. They go out and acquire Anibal Sanchez, you know, all of these, you know, shrewd moves that ended up really helping them down the line uh, for a playoff run. I could see them doing the exact same thing with Turner. Yeah. I was, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's kind of where I was going to take the conversation as well, because the um, one of the, my concerns with trading Trey at this point in time, this was obviously prior to the deal and seeing what we got in return was all these free agents, I mean, it, it, it's stacked. It's not just like, oh, there's a Trevor Story hanging market. Like you said, it's Trevor Story, Carlos Correa. Uh, all these guys that are not only really good in top tier shortstops, they're younger than Trey Turner as well. So I was worried about what a potential return might look like, but obviously it worked out. Um, 
one thing. Oh, and I'm not even sure if you mentioned Marcus Semyon as well, who is, yeah, I, yeah. He, he's that a free agent. And, and that would be, be more cheap. of the Nats. Yeah, the Nats kind of wheelhouse too. Slightly older, but I mean, he can still give you a couple good years. Um, I, I, I do have to ask, because we do have that section of our, our listeners that would want to know, Obviously, Max Scherzer's a free agent at the end of the year, and who knows what he's going to do with the Dodgers. Maybe he signs an extension, and this is all a moot point. And obviously, it's deadline day. It's July 30th at recording, so there's still a lot of time before we get there, and who knows what what would happen. But could you see a scenario where the Nats are in for those top pitching um, free agents as well? Obviously, that would be Max Scherzer and, and some of the other guys. Yeah, I think Scherzer is really the one that they could be considered the most in on, uh, you know, this offseason because they have a unique uh, negotiating point, not just because, you know, they're his former team, uh, but the Nationals, you know, we've talked a lot about how they've deferred all this this money, uh, you know, from previous years, it's like 15 million a year for the next seven seasons once the contract is up. You know, they would be able to negotiate with Scherzer, say, look, why don't we sign you to a three-year deal, you know, I'm I'm guessing he's going to be looking for three years, 100 million, which is exactly what Justin Verlander got uh, from the Astros a couple of years ago at about the same age. That's a, a pretty hefty price, right? Like 33 million dollars a year for a guy who's 37 years old. You know that that's you're going to be a little bit weary about doing that. But the Nationals are already budgeting 15 million a year to pay him. If they could mm-hmm. negotiate to kick those deferrals three more years down the line, wait until after you know this next extension, whether it be three years, whatever. Uh, and then start paying him. And then all of a sudden you're looking at, it's not 33 million, it's 18 million that they're paying him because they're already budgeting that 15, you know, that, that, that money was already gone, you know? So that's, you're just working with house money at that point, $18 million from Max Scherzer. That's, that's something that you can talk yourself into. So I think that gives them a unique uh, opportunity to kind of work things out. I don't know, you know, if he really is going to want to return to the nationals, you know, he has his whole life here. He could just not want to move. And, you know, this is just a temporary thing. He goes, wins a ring or tries to win a ring and then comes back, you know, pulls a, a an world Chapman. Um, it just is going to kind of depend on, on what he's looking for. You know, are the Dodgers going to want to try and retain him? You know, I don't expect him to sign before he finishes the season. I think he's going to, you know, he's a guy who very much uh, wants to focus on pitching and then, you know, things will take care of themselves in the off season. Um, so we're, we're not going to find out until the winter, but I, I do think that the nationals still stand a chance of bringing him back. It's just going to have to be, uh, you know, it's going to come down to, does he really want to return? Yeah. And I, like you mentioned, I mean, there's positions to be addressed. Obviously middle infield is the biggest one third base, even still maybe a corner outfield spot, I guess, definitely now that that Schorber is gone and we'll, you know, obviously get to that once we get to the off season. But right now, as it stands, we still have two months of baseball left to play. Can we finally see a, a reality where Garcia, I mean, even Kibum at this point, he's up uh, Robles again, because he, he sat for five games randomly. Can we finally see a reality where these guys are playing every day and we can get legitimate looks at them? Yeah. You know, Robles is a, uh he's not necessarily in a full platoon with Andrew Stevenson at this point, but Davey Martinez is what it seems like effectively said that, yeah, they're, they're kind of in a timeshare now at center field. So I I think that signals a shift just kind of in how they're handling him uh, moving forward. Maybe they haven't necessarily given up on him yet, um, but I got, you know, don't want to be that guy, but last off season, I did say that if they wanted to trade Victor Robles, that was the time to do it because there were still a lot of reasons to believe uh, in his future. And, you know, he was still so young and 
I've been saying it for three years. He couldn't go out and, uh, you know, uh, ruin his trade value, which not to say he's ruined his trade value, but he's certainly put a, a damper on it for sure. So, uh, the, yeah, this is, like I said, next year is going to be a, a year for, you know, and then the rest of this season really are going to, is going to be time for the Nationals to kind of get looks at these guys, you know, really take a, see how they react to, to facing major league pitchers, major league hitters, uh, and then kind of go from there to figure out what they really have. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully someone, it seems like Garcia is the most likely candidate kind of steps up and um, yeah. is at least the leader in the clubhouse to take a everyday spot heading into 2022. But there's one position that is never going to be a question as long as he's here. And that's obviously Juan Soto. That's another thing people are talking about right now. Does this clear the way for a Juan Soto extension? I personally think he's still going to hit free agency, but it does help that cause a little bit in, in your pursuit, in your effort to re-sign him. Obviously, again, it's it's July 30th. The dust hasn't settled yet. The moves haven't even you know been all completed yet. But what is your early take on the possibility of extending Juan Soto or at least re-signing him uh, if he does hit free agency? That Juan Soto is the number one takeaway of this entire this entire situation. Prior priority number one is extending him at this point. There is absolutely no excuse now. You know, if you were really considering giving Trey Turner 300 million, that kind of hinders your ability to give Juan Soto any kind of extension before he hits free agency because of the presence of the Strasburg and Corbin contracts. You know, you kind of, at that point, you have to wait out, you know, those contracts before you can really start looking at Soto. Now with Soto, you know, three years away, three years plus two months away from free agency, this is now the time to start really, you know, pushing for an extension. And if the Nationals are going to get an extension for Soto, then they're going to have to pay market value. And right now, market value for Juan Soto is about $450 million, uh, which is more than Mike Trout got from the Angels. It's way more than Fernando Tatis got uh, from the Padres. Soto is, you know, every time he's asked about the contract, as is his contract, he always just says, you know, Scott, Scott's going to take care of that. My agent's going to take care of that. You know, he's not, he's not, being super involved uh, in at least thinking about it right now. He's leaving the, the thinking to Scott Boris, which is exactly what you don't want to hear, uh, you know, as, as a Nationals fan, because that means that he's going to command top dollar. So the Nationals are basically going to have to do what they did with Strasburg and outbid themselves uh, in order to uh, extend Soto. And, you know, Soto's a player who's worth it. you got to do whatever you've got to do to extend him at this point, because there is nobody else left on the nationals to build around like, you know, of that caliber, you know, they're all the other all-stars, the three all-stars that went with them to the all-star game, they're all gone. You know, it's, it's just Soto now. Uh, and so really, you know, whether it's, it's this off season or it's next off season uh, you know, you need to really go dig your heels in, pull out the wallet uh, and, and figure out how to pay. So and keep him in DC for the rest of his career. I think there'd be some type of revolt. If the Nats yeah. don't sign him long, especially after, after all of this, I mean, a lot of Nats fans are, aren't used to this. This is their first experience having to have their favorite player be torn away from them. Cause I mean, obviously Bryce Harper was so um, polarizing even amongst Nats fans. So now you get Max and Trey, which are widely beloved and they're just like, they don't know what to do with themselves. And let's be real. Soto's better than Harper ever was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as soon as I heard Trey turn away 300 million, I was like, yeah, trade man. I'm not giving him $300 million. Yeah. 30 <laughs> year old shortstop. I mean, I love Trey. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't going to happen. Speed also doesn't 
age well. You that's know? the first yeah. thing that goes. That's that's you know Trey is is obviously evolved his offensive game where he's a lot more than speed. You know, as compared to where he was early on in his career. You know, he's a fantastic hitter. You know, has a lot more patience than he used to. But you know, like you said, it, that's the first thing to go. And you know, if you're giving a guy <laughs> three hundred million, you want to make sure his tools are projectable and. When that's his his best tool, even if it's a plus 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 tool, you know, 80, 80 on the twenty eighty scale, you know, you still you need to be one hundred percent sure that that is going to be something that's still going to be working for him, you know, in five plus years. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's tough for Nats fan, but I think it'll work out. There is one positive: the Nats just signed Brady House, so they got another top one hundred prospect because he was ranked there. But last question I have for you, Matt. This is uncharted territory for this fan base. The Nats were the first team ever to have three all-stars and trade them at the deadline within the same season. So it's kind of uncharted territory for everyone. In general. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was your gut reaction as a fan of this team? So we heard like your business take on everything, but Mm -hmm. as a fan, what was your gut reaction to everything that went down yesterday? I mean, it definitely hit, you know, I, I'm somebody who grew up in the area, right? Uh, I, uh, the Nats moved to DC in 05. I was eight years old uh, and I was already a baseball fan. I actually, uh, my grandfather tried to raise me a Yankees fan uh, originally. So there's a lot of pictures of me that are hidden away of me and Yankees here <laughs> as a young child. Um, we'll never, ever let those see the light of day. But um, when the Nats moved to DC in 2005, I, I became hooked, you know, almost immediately. My dad was taking me out to games. You know, I, consider myself part of the first generation of Nats fans that really grew up with the team. And I grew up through the miserable years, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old playing little league, you know, I would be looking up to Ryan Zimmerman and, and that was it. You know, Ryan Zimmerman was my guy and there was nobody else on the nationals to really get excited about for a long time. And we went through this awesome, awesome period where we had so many stars, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Sean Doolittle, just star after star after star and and they're slowly just all fading away and to see kind of the last of the old guard I, I know there's you know Ryan Zerman's still in town Juan Soto's still still obviously around but you know to kind of see these last key pieces of the Nationals World Series title really just disappear in a day I mean that hit me more than I was expecting it to um, but at the same time you know I think that as somebody who, who is from D.C. and, and want, or Virginia, but from the area and, and has always, you know, wanted to uh, go enjoy watching the Nationals play, the most important thing is winning. And, you know, sometimes you've got to take the long view. And it, it sucks because uh, you, you have to give up two amazing players in Scherzer and Turner, uh, you know, guys that got you excited in Schwarber and Hand uh, and Hudson, who was such a key part, you know, had such a, an amazing moment during the last out of the World Series, you know. My heart, it, 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 it aches and there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, like I said, the most important thing is winning. You know, I don't want to see the Nationals fall into, you know, a Phillies-esque, you know, eight-year period where they can't get over yep. the 500 mark, you know? Because they that screwed would up. suck even more. Exactly. And, and you hold on to these guys for too long. They lose the, their, their trade value. They lose, you know, any type of way they can help you long-term. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're just left with a bunch of old players, no farm system, uh, and big contracts. And, and you look at teams like the Detroit Tigers uh, that are still trying to get out of, of things like that. I was just looking at Miguel Cabrera's contract. You know, he's, he's got a 91 OPS plus this year. That's the lowest of his career. And he's being paid $64 million over the next two years. He's 38 years old. 
I mean, do you really want to see the Nationals in a situation where, you know, yes, you could have tried everything you possibly could have uh, to extend Max Scherzer. Uh, and then in two years, you're looking at 70 million going between him and Strasburg. Both guys are over 35 years old uh, and neither is producing. Like, is that really a situation that you want to see? You know, not not me personally, you know, as much as I love watching those guys pitch and, you know, never want them to see them in another uniform. It, it it's it's all about titles. It's about winning. It's about, you know, really doing something special and you know you can hold on to the 2019 world series for all the memories that it has but you have to let the front office move on because if the front office doesn't move on the franchise isn't going to move on and then with franchise doesn't move on you're going to be stuck in this purgatory that's impossible to get out of i think that was beautifully said because i've said the podcast a lot the worst place you can be for a franchise is purgatory and we see teams around the league are in purgatory right now. Um, I mean, the Phillies, like you said, they've been, they haven't gone over 508 years. It's better to trade guys too early than it is too late. If you trade people too late, you're screwed. Um, I've always been the person who like sports are a business. It doesn't matter. You do what you have to do to win. And this kind of gives the Nats a little bit of future. I was, sh- I mean, shocked that Trey went. There was kind of like a damn it's over moment. But I think this really sets up the Nats nicely for a future because, as you said, those straws, Corbin contracts, and the deferred money, it's going to hurt. And this is a way to help get the farm system going and trying to get younger to still try to be competitive with that deferred money coming. And it's going to take people time, but this is the right decision and one I'm really, really glad Mike Rizzo made. Do you think they – oh, go ahead, Matt. I would say say it's it's just funny because – you know, the three of us have talked about how this is something that the Nationals have needed to do for a while. And then they finally do it. And we're just like, whoa, we weren't expecting, you know, this rush of emotions. I didn't, well, but like mainly like, I didn't think Rizzo had it in them, honestly. Like I thought Rizzo was just, just going to trade Max and call it a day. I didn't expect him to go this route. And like, I'm kind of shocked they did. And I'm happy that they did it. I am giving Rizzo props because I think Rizzo did very well in the trades considering that the learners wanted teams to eat money. I thought he did well, but there's still that moment of damn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you think if uh, the news on Steven Strauss, like if Strauss was coming back, let's just put it that way. If Strauss was coming back this year, do you think they do this? You know, maybe I'd say it definitely makes gives them some pause as to whether they do it but after getting swept by the Orioles oh and, for and, sure you know this this stretch that they've had right I mean they went into this stretch Mike Rizzo went on 1067 the fan and said like this is going to determine where we go you know we're preparing for the deadline as buyers and sellers they the Nationals pull off some crazy wins over the last week and we are talking about an extremely different scenario I mean it is crazy how different this season could have gone because of the results of five games you know, that's that's what it came down to. And the Nationals just couldn't come through in those five games. And, you know, yes, the, you know, those five games determine where they're going. But the larger picture shows that, like, you know, they only have, I think, six wins in the entire month of July. You know, that's that's where they've been trending toward. They had one really good month, which was fueled by Kyle Schwarber going on a historic home run binge. Uh, and other than that, they really haven't done much this year. So, you know, I think the larger picture shows that, 
This is the way the Nationals were headed. Steven Strasburg hasn't been available all year, and was his presence every fifth day really going to change the team all that much? Not really. You know, I, I think when you invest in starting pitching, you're investing in the playoffs. You know, you're investing in, you know, game, singular games mattering more. And that's what that's where it is in the playoffs. When you're in the regular season, a single game means nothing. You know, you win every team wins 60 games and loses 60 games. It depends on what you do in between. And, you know, position players are really making a bigger impact on a day to day basis because they play every day. Strasburg coming back would have been, you know, good for them in their playoff hopes. If you get to the playoffs, having Strasburg and Scherzer, uh, you know, I guess Corbin, you know, in your rotation makes you feel like you can beat anybody. Uh, but as far as, you know, turning in a winning streak down the stretch, you know, that's not necessarily what Strasburg is, is in DC to do. Yeah, Makes sense. I, I agree. And that's, it's a different time and there's going to be some feelings for a while. I mean, all the people who bought tickets go to the Cubs and Nats. You're seeing two completely different teams, and you thought I'll be there tomorrow. I <laughs> <laughs> am sad. I mean, both teams just completely tore it down. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Matt, want to thank you for coming on as always and breaking down everything that happened. It was a wild 24 hours, and you're another fantastic interview as always. You guys can follow Matt on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick and make sure you head on over to NBC Sports Washington to keep up with all of Matt's latest pieces. Matt's thanks, Matt's thanks so much, man. We'll talk soon. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, guys. Remember, this is a good team. Stay with us. Stay, stay, stay with, stay with us. us. We're, we're leaving. We're leaving, but stay with us. <laughs> team is phenomenal. Stay with us. He was actually talking about the Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> Later, Matt. Later, man. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.